Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Veg Grow Up podcast. My name is Richard and I am on a mission to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden. Now I think it's safe to say that this week we are well into December and December is often a very tricky month to find motivation for gardening. It's cold, it's wet, it's dark but I always believe that there is still things we can do. However, this year has been a particular troublesome time. The weather really hasn't been on our side and it is dark after work. But because of that, I have decided to look over some of the experiments that I had tackled throughout 2023. And this also gives me the chance to plan for a few experiments for 2024. In some ways, December is the planning month. So come meet me out in the garden and we're going to run through some of the results from our 2023 experiments. Well, out in my garden and we've had a few experiments that we've started this year and in fact some that have been going on over the years that we have been here. I've got to say the garden is really quite surprising just how much is going on. Of course we have the brassicas that are going to be ready for Christmas Day. Our Brussels sprouts, our cabbages, they're all doing great. We also have parsnips which are just waiting to be dug up. Can't wait to see how they get on. Leeks as well. So overall we've got quite a bit going on here in this home plot. Charred onions, garlic have all germinated and grown well too. But in terms of experiments, we've we've been running a few experiments over this year. The first one I'm going to look at has been the Bakashi experiment. Now, we had a, a chappie on from Agriton last year, almost a year ago to the day, to talk about Bakashi composting. And I decided to give it a try. We, we obviously kept all our, our waste from our kitchen and... Some of it I would pot straight into my sub-pod in the wormery side. But some of it I pot into a, a special bucket and sprinkled on some of the Bukashi bran in order to make the compost ferment. And that's the idea behind Bukashi, fermenting the compost to start it off. Now, I've opened up the bins. We tried to keep this as equal as possible in the sub-pod. But the Bukashi... Yeah, we've got some amazing compost, but what's amazing about it is there is a lot more than what we would have in the normal one. So that's quite interesting, really. It's produced a lot of compost. That's not a problem that I generally have here at home with compost. I can produce a lot of compost, but Bakashi itself does seem to have promoted or produced a lot of compost, which is great to see. Obviously, what we've got to do next is just see how it affects plants that we grow with it. So that's something to think about in the future. But definitely, I'm quite impressed with Bokashi. Something that I found, the liquid produced from the Bokashi fermentation, I poured that down our sink. And we haven't had any problems with a block sink this year. That would usually happen because of the way our sink is designed. So that's quite interesting to see the benefit of that. Now, one experiment that has unfortunately came to an end, I'm kind of glad in some ways, is the quail experiment. This has been running for a few years. The idea behind the quails was if you can't have chickens, quails were an alternative. They needed less space. It was possible to breed them. 
and they produced eggs. And in some cases, if you were inclined, they could also produce meat as well. We never produced meat with them. It was all about the eggs. And we found that they did produce a lot of eggs. And I mean a lot of eggs. To the point that we had more than what we could eat. Now the trouble is we have chickens. And our chickens are producing eggs as well. So we weren't really using the quail's eggs. Quail's eggs are much, much smaller than chicken's eggs. So if you're having an omelette or something, you would obviously naturally just go to the larger chicken head than using a quail's egg. However, quail's eggs, we got a lot of them. They produced well, but we have decided to get rid of our quail. And our last quail, unfortunately, has passed away. Now, the reason that we have decided this is that you're not allowed to release them in the wild. So you have to keep them inside a cage. You don't really allow them to free range. It didn't sit comfortably with us. Our chickens, obviously, yes, they are in the run, in the crate, in the cage, which is large. But we do allow them to roam around the garden from time to time. We couldn't do that with quail. We didn't like it. We just didn't like it. And it was... Didn't sit comfortably, I, I, is what I'm saying. So we brought it to an end. Now, that being said, I have seen videos of people using quail for pest control in their garden. They put plants under a cage, like a fruit cage type thing, and allow quail in there to do with pest control, which I quite like the idea of. And that might be something we think about in the future, if we ever get the need for it. But on a whole... Quails. I mean, quails was a good experiment. It really was a good experiment. It just didn't fit comfortably with us leaving them in the run. Now, one final experiment that we have been doing here at home has been the straw bale gardening. Now, straw bale gardening, the idea behind this is that you take some straw bales, you condition them by making sure they've got plenty of moisture and add some plant food in them to start the breakdown of the straw. And then you plant into the straw bales. Now, we watered them daily in the conditioning time. The, the straws were nice and moist and still are. They didn't really get hot. Even though we had plenty of plant food, they didn't really get hot. And the heat is the sign that they are starting to break down. So when we planted out our plants in it, they didn't really thrive, if I'm honest with you. We got tomatoes, we got chilies, and we got peppers, but they just didn't thrive. And where I think we went wrong with this is that we didn't add enough plant food, and we may not have used the right plant food in order to start the breakdown process. That being said, what I'm interested to see, I'm just going to stick it in, stick it and pull out some of this, this straw, yeah, yeah, it's broken down quite nicely on the inside. We've actually got some half-decent compost in there. So it's obviously done something right. It just was the conditioning phase just didn't seem to work at all. Now this interests me because a lot of people have raved about straw bale gardening and I can see some benefits of it. In fact, the area where I grew these in is not needed much in the way of care. Certainly not much weeding. But that might be something we're going to look at for next year, how we're going to repeat this to see if we can get it to work. But on the whole, it just didn't work for us. 
Now I should just give you a bit of an update of what's been going on here at home. Again, the weather hasn't been on our side, but with the cold weather now, everything has started to die down. That dies down and the nasturtiums are dying down, all of which is starting to go into our compost bins. Pretty soon I'm going to have to empty one of our compost bins and spread some of that compost, particularly on the new beds that I'm building. I think towards the end of this month I'll be building some new beds as well, ready for 2024. A couple of weeks ago I sowed some chilli seeds. I always try and do some chilli seeds in December to give them that really good long growing season that I find chilies benefit from. Well they have germinated now. They're indoors, they're under heat and now they're under grow lights. So the chilies have germinated. I'm happy, happy with that. We're going to continue to grow those on and hopefully soon we're going to end up with some decent plants. They will stay indoors of course till about March when they will finally go in the greenhouse. So they are going to be looked after for a long time. But at the end of the day, if we get chilies and we get decent chilies early, I'm going to be very, very happy. Right, I'm going to head down to the allotment. You've got a bit of a dry spell coming up, so I'm going to head on down to the allotment. So why don't you meet me down there? And in the meantime, let's find out what's been going on in the supporters club this week. Well, I hope you're enjoying this podcast so far. And if you are, perhaps you would be good enough to leave me a rating and review on your podcast provider. Now, it only takes a few seconds to do. And rating and reviewing really does help me out a lot as it encourages the algorithms to work and get us discovered by more people. And in fact, I had a very lovely review left on iTunes from Greg Meller. And he says, a very good, light-hearted yet informative look into the garden each week. Quite often the show very much aligns with thoughts you are having about what to do slash grow in your growing space. The years of episodes are good to catch up on and pass many a car journey for me. Keep up the great work, please. can guarantee you I will continue doing this podcast for a very, very long time. But if you really do want to help support this podcast, then please do also consider becoming a member of our Supporters Club. Our Supporters Club is set up as a club to run alongside this podcast. And for me, it helps encourage more people to grow their own food. I charge £5 a month to be a member, and for that you get extra behind-the-scenes podcasts. And once a month I send out a package, and in that package you get a a nice little newsletter slash booklet as it is becoming now and you also get a collection of seeds that we can sow in that very month now this week we have sown a couple of these seed packets we've actually sown some amaranth and microgreen and this is growing in our kitchen as a great way to add a bit of fresh greens to our dishes through these cold months but we've also sown some basil seeds a fantastic herb that we can also grow on our kitchen windowsill in order to keep that fresh herbs come in so if that does sound like something you're happy to pay five pound a month for please head to the vegpodcast.co.uk to find out more and sign up I also just want to give a bit of a shout out to a website known as GeniusGardenWare.com. They've given me a very lovely mention in their newsletter this month. And please, if you are looking for clothes for gardening in, please do go and check out their website. Right, well, let's go find out what's happening down on the allotment. 
Well, I'm down on the allotment now and we've got a bit of a break in the weather. So it means that I can actually get down here and tackle a particular task. What I'm actually doing is starting to coppice my hazel tree. It's a little bit early for coppicing my hazel tree, but it is something that I am going to be doing throughout the winter months, but as well as pruning many of our other trees. But I'll, I'll discuss the pruning in a future episode. But the idea behind coppicing, it's a type of pruning, I guess you could say. Basically, we're cutting off all the branches a few centimetres above ground level in order to encourage the hazel tree to produce more stems in the future. And it actually prolongs the life of the hazel tree. But the reason that I am coppicing or have even have a hazel tree growing is because of the hazel sticks. And this is one of those experiments that I did this year. So hazel sticks... I use those in place of bamboo canes now and the idea being we use them for support to grow beans around and many other plants like that and I've got to say I personally think they look much better than bamboo canes and being that they are on the allotment there's no mileage to get them here less pollution I just think it makes a lot more sense to be using the materials that we have here on the allotment where we can. And that's definitely something that I'm going to be doing in the future, especially with this hazel tree. Now, as I said, we're breaking the weather. Every day this week, it has pretty much rained and rained a lot. So I've been unable to get down to the allotment as much as I like. December has been a real miserable month so far. I nearly fell over there, so apologies for that. But it's been a really miserable month so far. I think November was as well. And, and the allotment certainly is looking on a, the shabby side. I said last week, I don't mind being cold, but it's when it's wet that I don't like it. Luckily, the allotment is more or less there. It is, I'm harvesting food, but we can't really sow much down here or get anything growing as of yet. But things are happening. The facilia green manure really has grown in the last couple of weeks. And in the greenhouse, I can see some of our lettuce and other seeds that we sowed are growing in there as well. So things are moving along. Things are certainly moving on. Now, the experiments that I've run down here this year, as I said, the hazel sticks was a great example of a good experiment because that worked. And I'm definitely going to be using hazel sticks in the future. But another experiment I did is I've made two beds, composting bed. I've done this for a couple of years now. These are our two small beds that run alongside my greenhouses. And I basically filled those up with composting material and let those compost down in situ. And then I planted out a couple of pumpkins, Charles and Camilla to be exact, because they were Crown Prince pumpkins, in their place in order to see how well they grew. Now, I often grow pumpkins in compost bins anyway. So growing them in this ground, I thought, you know, it might have a good effect. So my honest answer to that is I didn't like how it looked. It just looked very, very messy, I'll be honest. So I don't think I'll be doing this again in the future. I might do it with a smaller bed later on for bean trenching, but I'll cover it over with compost instead. But... I just did not like how it looked. The pumpkins grew great in there. Not the best pumpkins, but they weren't bad pumpkins at the same time. It's just the overall aesthetic look that I did not like. 
Now I'm going to head on up to the top half of the plot because that's where we did quite a few experiments. The wood chip that I've laid down around our rhubarb is still very much in place and I've seen there's more wood chip that has been delivered. Our Brussels sprouts are looking great. We're going to have to harvest those fairly soon and our broad beans, autumn sown broad beans, looking fantastic as well. So very happy with that. And even our garlic and onions are really starting to show themselves. So there's plenty of things going on here on this allotment that are showing signs of life. Certainly quite motivating to see everything happening. If we could just get some decent weather so I can spend some time down here. There's something that I grew on this allotment was our shark's fin melon and the shark's fin melon was a plant that I decided I was going to grow as a bit of an experiment. Every year I try and grow something that I've never grown before and this year was the shark's fin melon. Now I've seen a few people grow the shark's fin melon in the past and the plant itself gets very very big but produces a lot of fruits. So for an experiment, I wanted to see one, just how big this plant gets, whether we would be able to do something with that in the future, and two, whether it was worth growing for the fruits. So I'll start with the first question. The plant did get quite long. It's about 10 meters long in total. So pretty long plant. And it actually looked quite attractive. I could see it growing nicely as, as a climber over some sort of archway or something. I think that would work quite nicely with this particular plant. Would need some sort of support to hold the melons in place, but as a plant it grew quite well. It produced two decent sized melons. They were about one and a half kilos each, which I was pretty happy with. And I took those home and for the last couple of weeks I've actually sat on my worktop while I found all the ingredients I needed to make shark's fin melon soup. Now I made the shark's fin melon soup today and I only used one of the shark's fin melons. I tried eating a bit of a shark's fin melon raw before cooked and I've got to say actually it did taste quite a bit like normal melon. A little bit bland for melon but it did taste like melon and smelt like it as well. I got Amanda to try a bit and she sort of agreed with me. The shark's fin melon soup, I don't know, I'm, it was okay. I can't say it's anything I would particularly order or, or get excited about, but as an experiment, it was kind of nice to see. The fruits themselves, the skin, the rind on these fruits was incredibly hard to try and break through. I had my meat cleaver to try and get through it and that wasn't enough. I had to literally try and smash it to get through the rinds and cut it up. It did, however, leave me with loads and loads of seeds. Will we grow it again? At the moment, I'm gonna say no. I, the, the plant itself was great. It looked great, it produced well, but I can't get excited about the actual flavour and the use of the shark's fin melon in the future. So, I, 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 as you can probably tell, I'm still debating, because it, I do think sometimes it's how we cook these things, but I am still debating whether it's worth growing shark's fin melon again. Now, I believe shark's fin melon is used as a replacement for shark's fin in uh, certain other countries. Now, I would never, ever dream of eating shark's fin in, in its raw form anyway. So, as a replacement for that, I don't know how it compares, of course, but I can see 
why it might be chosen. I think it's much better than shark's fin. So there's some positive to spin on that. Whether we grow it again, I don't know. Now, the final experiment, and this is actually another one of these experiments that's been running for a couple of years now, is the Hoogle Culture Bed. This is obviously a, a bed that I filled up with logs on the bottom in contact with the ground and then I covered that over with compost and we planted into that compost. Now the first thing that we planted was our overwintering onions and they didn't do too badly actually. I can't say they were any better in the Hugel culture bed when compared to being in the ground. But onions are very shallow rooted so I don't think they really got the benefit of this Hugel culture bed. The idea being with Hugel culture is the logs act as a, a sponge. It soaks up a lot of water and then wicks that out into the compost surrounding it. And effectively means that the compost doesn't ever dry out. And I've got to say, it did actually prove that. It, the compost itself didn't ever dry out. Maybe slightly on the surface, but it did stay pretty moist at all times. For me, the real results was when I planted some squash plants into it. We had this patty pan squash plant and butternut squash plants, all of which did really, really well. And I think that's because the roots were able to go down a little bit more, get into even that wood or near that wood and make... The most of it so I definitely do think it has got its benefits and I think it will get better and better as we go on the only thing I've got to do is add a load of compost in order to build the soil level back up because as it as it all settles back down it does fall down into the gaps as you can imagine so I think yearly we're going to have to top this up with plenty more compost and the wood itself will of course rot down but I think that's going to be a good thing because it's just going to help add plenty more organic material into the ground below the compost so benefits all around plus I believe it will help with the mycorrhizal fungi in the area too so yeah hugel culture I think has worked quite well shark's fin melon I'm on the fence about the composting beds not so happy about but we're going to try something different next year and the hazel sticks definitely a positive out of all the experiments we have ran down here very very happy with things right it is time for me to head on home i think it's going to rain soon so i'm going to make my way home and meet you back in the podding shed in the meantime let's see what chef scott has for us this week hi it's scott here and back with another festive recipe and this week we have spiced braised red cabbage a beautiful addition to the christmas table and a lovely dish to make with our homegrown cabbages the key to this recipe is cooking it in advance. There's a reason why some dishes taste better the next day, especially with dishes that are spiced. As the dish cools and sits in the fridge overnight, the aroma and flavour compounds mingle together and the spices become more mellow and rounded in flavour. And the sulphur compounds in brassicas and alliums also oxidise slowly and become more mellow in flavour as well making this dish a prime candidate for cooking ahead of time and reheating which is great for us as it's one less job to do on the day so let's head to the festive kitchen and see how it's made for this recipe you will need one kilogram of sliced red cabbage one eating apple grated one red onion sliced you want about 200 grams 
50 milliliters of red wine vinegar, 100 milliliters of red wine, 100 milliliters of water, 50 grams of raisins, one cinnamon stick, two star anise, five cloves, a sliver of ginger, you want about five grams, the juice of one clementine and zest of half, 50 grams of dark brown sugar, and 100 grams of red currant jelly. Method. In a saucepan with a lid, start by sweating off the onions and cook until soft. Then add the rest of the ingredients and cover with a lid. And cook on a medium low heat for about 45 minutes. Now remove the lid and at this point the cabbage should be tender. So now with the lid off, cook on a medium heat for about 10 minutes to reduce the remaining liquid. Now place in an ovenproof serving dish and store in the fridge overnight, ready for heating the next day. And that's the recipe done. I hope you enjoy it. Right, well I'm back in the podding shed now in the nice and warm with a nice cup of coffee and back from the allotment. Now this brings me up to planning some experiments that I want to run in 2024. I always think it's good to try a few experiments and challenge myself and also try and challenge what we understand about gardening because it's very easy I find to get stuck into the same old routine. Just running different experiments helps I feel challenge my own perspective and think about things differently. Now I have a few ideas of some of the experiments that I want to run and the first one as I stated previously is that I always like to grow something new. Every year I try and grow a plant I've never grown before. This year it was the shark's fin melon plant and as I said we're on the uh, on the fence about that whether we're going to grow that again but 2024 i want to try the oyster leaf plant now i actually saw this plant growing at audley end house and it intrigued me as soon as i saw it it is said to be a very good replacement for oysters for vegetarians or vegans it's meant to have a very shellfishy flavor without being shellfish and when I saw it, it just looked incredibly attractive with these beautiful round thick leaves, these beautiful blue flowers. And as I looked into it a bit more, I discovered that it is found to be growing around the coast of the UK. I'm fairly close to the coast, so in theory, it should grow quite well here. Now, it's also known as sea bluebells because of the attractive blue flowers, which really does make me think that I want to try growing this. Of course, we need to find out if it's going to taste great and if it's going to be attractive, and that is the point of these experiments. Now, my next experiment is going to be a re-attempt at straw bale garden. Now, this time we're going to move the straw bales to be alongside my fence area. This particular area, it's between my compost bins, has been pretty problematic to keep the weeds reduced and stop it from looking a mess. So I'm hoping by having the straw bales there, it's just going to help tidy up that area. But what I also want to try and do is figure out where I went wrong, and I'm sure it's with the fact that I used the wrong type of feed to condition the straw bale. So I'm going to try and correct that. And hopefully then we're going to warm up those straw bales. They're going to break down properly. And whatever we plant in those 
should do a bit better. And I'm thinking what I want to grow in those in 2024 are going to be our squash plants, our pumpkins, our courgettes, our butternut squashes, those sort of things. Now, I don't know how it's going to work out. So it's not going to be the only way I'm going to be growing squash plants. It's just going to be a way I want to try to grow them. Now, something else I'm going to be experimenting with in 2024 is the germination of parsnips. Now, parsnips are one of those plants that I hear a lot of listeners struggle to germinate. It seems to be the top plant that people struggle with. And this year, we didn't get a great germination on our parsnips either. We do have two decent sized parsnips in the ground or I hope they're going to be decent when I dig them out anyway and they are for our Christmas dinner they were there hopefully they are going to do fantastic and they weren't the only ones we sowed we did a whole row of them but only two germinated we luckily we did have some more sown in our veggie pod which did take a long time to germinate actually and i'd completely forgotten about them or thought they weren't going to germinate by the time that they actually showed up but these ones were quite small in the end they didn't do great but we got parsnips out of them nonetheless So what I want to do in 2024 is just experiment with a few different methods to germinate them. First of all, directly in the ground with nothing special done to them. That's going to be our control method. And I think that's the way many of us generally sow our parsnips. The second is directly in the ground, but with a piece of wood placed over them. This is a way I've heard many people talk about they've had success growing. The wood helps retain some of that moisture now the other way i'm going to be trying is on a piece of tissue paper indoors until they just start to shoot and then we transplant those into something like paper pots before planting those out but what we're also going to do with these it's going to be a lot of parsnips by the sound of it is to try and experiment with the different times of sowing now seed packets often say that they can be sown between march and may and i've personally found that may is the time that i want to sow our parsnips the ground is just warm enough then for them to have a decent result but what i want to do is just try each method and each month to see what month gets the best germination for each method as well and in the end you know it's all very well getting decent germination but what we also want to see is if we can get decent parsnips and which way is going to give us the best parsnips so that's something to look forward to for 2024 now another experiment i'm going to do and this is a bit crazy but it's also going to be a little bit of fun you know i always like to try and inject a bit of fun into the gardening and that is i'm going to see what plants we can successfully grow in hanging baskets i think i'm going to need a lot of hanging baskets for this one now in previous years we've obviously we've had a lot of success with strawberries and tomatoes in hanging baskets and recently i found that chilies and peppers to be incredibly successful in hanging baskets as well but this has got me wondering what else can we grow in hanging baskets so in 2024 i'm going to experiment i'm going to try growing peas beans potatoes and carrots 
in different hanging baskets. Now, as I said, that does sound very, very crazy, but that's the point of experiments, isn't it? We want to try these things out to see what happens. Now, talking of potatoes, something that I did this year is that when I planted out all my seed potatoes, I took a couple of spare seed potatoes and planted those into some pots behind my greenhouse separately. Now, the reason I did this is a bit of an experiment. I want to see if we can save some of our own seed potatoes. So I've let those potato plants grow. They've died back down. I've left them in the ground. And what we're going to do in pretty soon, dig those out. We're going to pot those somewhere safe. And then we are going to use those to grow our potatoes in 2024. Now, I don't know if this is definitely going to work. It's going to be very much all depends on what we get when we get out of it but the idea behind this is i want to see if it does work does that mean we can then save money in the future by not having to buy in the same seed potatoes each year and are there going to be as big potatoes as what we get when we brought them in it's a lot of questions that i have to answer and see what we get also, it means that if we do save money from this, it means that we can actually buy in some different varieties next year in order to try different varieties too, to find out what grows best in my particular allotment or garden. So there's a lot of experiments going on with this potatoes, but the main thing we want to try and find out is, have we got our own seed potatoes? So that is five experiments that I am doing in 2024. But I would love to hear if you are doing some of your own experiments in 2024. And also if you've done any experiments in 2023 and what your results were. Now you can share them with me in a variety of ways. You can of course email me richard at veggroundpodcast.co.uk. You can share them to me via social media. I'm on pretty much every platform, but we also have a Facebook group where you can share it in too. Now on the website at the veggroundpodcast.co.uk, we do have a forum, doesn't get used much, and I'm debating whether we're going to keep the forum going, but that is another way if you do want to share your experiments. And of course, while you're at the veggroundpodcast.co.uk, then you can also leave us a voicemail. Very easy. Well, that brings us up to the end. So if you have enjoyed this podcast, then please do rate and review on your podcast provider. And also please consider becoming a member of our supporters club. I will be back again next time. So until then, please take care.